0: Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind Podcast. This is your host Jack and I have the ADD Mind. Joining me today is nobody. It's just me and you guys. And I am going to talk about a subject that probably isn't on most people's radar, but it's something that has interested me for quite a long time, especially somebody that sort of grew up with a very sort of evangelical upbringing. My mom was... Southern Baptist and she was quite devout and I was raised that way and so this is something that has sort of fascinated me my whole life and something that I have uh, looked at quite a bit and that is the idea of a young earth that the earth is between six to ten thousand years old but before we go on I would like to state that Even though I'm going to make some points that those dates are quite wrong, this is not an attempt to make somebody turn atheist, become a heathen, quit believing in God, deconstruct, deconvert. I just would like to point out that based on math alone, the earth has to be older than 6,000 years old. And secondly, you might be wondering how this fits into the December topic of space and astronomy. Well, the Earth is a planet, and therefore, it fits into that. (laughs) And I am going to briefly touch on star and planet formation, so there is a little bit of that as well. So, moving on, I guess I'm going to go ahead and get into it with just a slight bit of history here. So, young Earth creationists are Christians who believe That the earth was created by God roughly six to ten thousand years ago. In the evangelical church today, most people are going to say six thousand years ago, which would be four thousand BC. And as part of that belief, they believe that the flood is responsible for the current positions of the continents and the geological record, and not the slow march of time. Many Bibles, from 1701 onwards, including the King James Version, included the Usher chronology which put the creation at 4004 BC. Jon Tov Lippmann Heller in the 17th century believed that creation occurred in 3616 BC while Alfonso the 10th of Castile proposed the year 6984 BC. There are some contemporary Christians that, that have taken this Uh, date back even further by several thousand years, some recognizing that there are significant gaps in the genealogies in chapters 5 and 11 of the book of Genesis. Uh, Harold Camping, for example, dated the creation to 11,013 BC. But when you think about it, the major part of the age of young earth creation is you can't believe in that without believing, because you believe in the flood, obviously. So the flood is actually what you have to really consider as the starting point because that was a reset. If you destroy everything on the planet and there are only eight people left, that is the starting point. So in some regards, it doesn't matter when you think the Earth was created from a biblical standpoint, it's when you believe the flood occurred because that's where the great reset of humanity and the world occurred. The two are tied together. And a lot of times, young Earth creationists have never made that connection. But it is perhaps the most important part of young Earth creationism. But according to science, the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, while the universe is 13.5 billion years old. The super-duper short version of solar system creation is that there is a molecular cloud of hydrogen. Usually it's because another star has gone supernova, it has exploded releases all that energy and then just because of space these clouds form and eventually uh, they start to get denser and denser and then the denser they get the more their gravity is the more hydrogen they collect into each other and then eventually that ball gets dense enough and it compacts enough that its own gravity causes it to start fusion which is the fusion of hydrogen and then it becomes boom a big star. And that new star is generally going to be surrounded by the remainder of that molecular cloud that it formed in and that's also where generally the heavier elements are because when it first forms it sort of pushes out uh, the heavier elements and it's from that cloud around the star that the planets form. In our particular solar system we at this point have four terrestrial bodies an asteroid belt Two gas giants, two ice giants, and then we have trans-Neptunian objects, which are is everything past Neptune. That includes Pluto, Eris, Sedna, Humea, j- just a ton of stuff. And it, that all forms from the leftover stuff that the star didn't create, or didn't suck in, sorry. And if you want more information, like a more in-depth detailed information. Uh, There's a series on PBS that was done by Phil Plait. He's an astronomer and that is called... It'll be in the show notes. (laughs) I will have a link to these two particular videos. There's one on star formation and one on planet formation and I will have those in the description of the show. Please forgive me for not remembering the name off the top of my head and for not putting it in my script. So anyway, The other thing that shows the Earth's age is the geological record. And that is the various strata that show the different times in Earth history and then how long it takes, you know, rocks to form and that sort of stuff. We sort of know what it takes to make a certain type of, you know, sandstone. We know that it needs X, Y, and Z to happen to become sandstone. We know how that process works in the time. So the geologic record really is an important part of this and young earth creationists do not believe that either A, the geologic record is actually saying what it says or that B, it was just created by the flood. So there are several things with young earth creationism that I take strong umbrage with and if you're a Christian these things should not destroy uh, your belief in a god or god and those are, here are five of them actually. Number one, the Bible literally gives no date or time frame of creation. It's not in there. Two, mathematically speaking, there is no way for the earth to have repopulated itself if a worldwide flood occurred around 3500 BC. That's sort of an important date to me anyway, because you would have to figure that certain you need the spread of people <laughs> for certain things that we know the age of to have been created. And so that puts a very limited time on when the flood would have occurred. And it really couldn't have occurred too much past 4000 BC, which is the date they say the earth was created. Three, humans couldn't have spread out to every corner of the world, except Antarctica. I mean, we're there now, but that's relatively recent. The biblical figure of Nimrod. There'll be more on him here in a bit. And a little something that I call sloth theory. However, if you move the date of creation back to say 50,000 years ago, one to four become plausible or very plausible, just depending on how you look at it. And then with number number five, which is sloths, uh, with Nimrod, I'll explain later on how number four sort of ties in and what you would need to, uh, on how that would fit in. So if you're a believer in the concept of God, and keep in mind, I'm doing this from a standing back looking at it. This has nothing to do with my faith, how de- you know devout I am, what I believe. When I'm talking about God, I don't want my belief or beliefs to sort of be a part of the equation, other than sort of what I'm stating here. If you're a believer in the concept of God, that the creator of everything, then you, sh- you need to ex- uh, consider the concept that he would live outside of his creation and inside his creation. An example would be, I can build a house, I can live inside the house, but I can go outside the house whenever I want. And God is sort of like that with the universe. If he created the universe, he was here before the universe. So that means he is outside of the universe but he's also inside the universe because he's the creator. So if you live outside the universe and you create it, your concept of time is completely different. And we know that time moves differently anyway. Uh, When you're in space it moves slightly different than just being on Earth and around a black hole. It's completely different because of the gravity. Well, if you're God, your concept of time. Is not a human concept of time. So for God, you know, a billion years would be like a day. So when people were writing the Bible, they would not have the concept of a billion years. That is just something they would not have comprehended or could have even fathomed. So I believe that they used day because that is a time frame that they can believe in, and that would you know make make plenty of sense. You can't write about something you don't have the concept of. So anyway, I'm sure you've probably figured out, if not, I'm going to say it. I fall on the side of science where creation is concerned, so I I believe the earth is 4.5 billion years old. And I'm going to discuss several young earth creation theories, and then some reasons why I think that that's incorrect. And once again, the Bible does not give a time on when the universe was created, and I've read the Bible cover to cover three times and it doesn't mention it. So, that leaves us with sort of my first point, which is the population of the Earth. We know beyond any shadow of a doubt how fast humans reproduce, and you do it as quickly as you can. The average between generations is roughly 20 years. Now note, I did not fully go and do the full scientific research for the exact amount of time between generations. But 20 years is sort of a reasonable number for the purposes of this podcast. And when we know that uh, humans can have children as young as 13. There are actually cases of younger than that. But we'll just say sort of 13. So even if you lower the average when people start having kids down from 20 to 15, from the date of 3500 BC, you do not end up with 7 billion people now. That would be with everybody reproducing faster than Michelle Duggar. And back then, women died frequently in childbirth. That would be everything going perfect. And then they get 15 and then bam, they're pregnant at the start of it, the first four or five hundred years. But you do not end up with the seven to eight billion people that are on the earth today. If the earth was say 50,000 years old and the flood occurred say 35,000 years ago then the current population of the earth is is plausible well not plausible it would happen cuz that's what happened anyway <laughs> you know 35,000 years ago there weren't a ton of people on this planet and now there are 7 to 8 billion people on it so i we know that 35,000 years ago is an acceptable number to end up with the number of people on the planet that we have now. Another problem with having the flood occur in 3500 BC is the length of time it takes people to migrate and populate all of the globe. It would have to happen incredibly fast while people are reproducing like rabbits, and then they would stop, build cities on the way, keep migrating and keep in mind, you can only migrate eastwardly over the Bering land bridge and not easterly. I'm sorry, westerly, because there's the Atlantic ocean in the way. And I just don't believe they could have done that. So to cover that amount of space from what is modern day Turkey to the tip of South America, and that because you have to keep in mind, there were large numbers of people here when Columbus came, but we know beyond a shadow of a doubt the time frame of Aztecs and Inca and all of that. So you're saying the people spread out all amongst the world in a thousand years, and then the genetic diversity that we see across the planet was also reached in that time frame. Lots of genetic diversity. And that's generally by region. So that would have also had to have happened exceedingly fast. And once again, that, that's just not plausible. Mathematically, that is not something that could happen. And then we can move to Nimrod. I know that today Nimrod sort of means idiot. But actually, back then, Nimrod was a Hercules type character. But he was also known as a great builder of cities. Plural. That's very important. Who was he building these cities for? Because the Bible says that Nimrod was the grandson of Noah. Well, if he was the grandson of Noah, there was, what, 50 people on the planet? 100 people on the planet? Who was he building these cities for? Because they say that he built Babylon and Nineveh and Ur. Those were large cities back in the day. Who did he build them for initially? Because there weren't enough people to build cities. There were barely enough people to build villages for. So that alone is incorrect. However, if you believe that when they were writing the Bible and the genealogy of people after Noah, that if lots of generations were skipped between Noah and Nimrod, you know, I don't believe they would have had a term for 12-time great-grandfather, but they would still call Noah his grandfather. And that's probably how it would translate. That would at least give you, once again, some plausibility that if one man did go and build these, you know, start the building of these cities, that is at least a plausible amount of time. <laughs> but for that to occur, you definitely need more than one generation between Nimrod and Noah. And then, of course, we can get back to uh, one of my favorite theories. And that's what I call sloth theory. There is literally no way that sloths could migrate from modern-day Turkey to modern-day South America. Even the Usain Bolt of sloths would only move a maximum of about 100 meters a day. That is all they move. And that is not including stopping to go to the bathroom or eating or any of that. That is just kicking ass and taking names and walking that hundred meters. So you would have to, and of course, once again, as with people, they would need to take the Eastern route over the Bering land bridge. And I don't know one if sloths could handle weather that cold, I don't know. They live in an equatorial region now. So I would doubt they're probably not, you know, super cold weather animals. But that aside, if they were to have gone that route, moving at 100 meters a day maximum and then still needing to stop to have you know babies and all of that stuff i just don't believe that a sloth could travel from modern-day turkey to modern-day south america i i just do not see that happening we know they couldn't have gone uh, the western direction because sloths aren't known for swimming several thousand miles or boat building so there's that. Another thing, I'm pretty sure that once the animals were released from the Ark, sloths would have been the first thing predators killed because they would be the easiest thing for predators to kill, right? You know, you've been on a boat for a while. You've been cramped up. You're hungry. You're not going to be like, oh, hey, check that sloth out. And you're going to go and kill him and eat him, And then you don't have sloths. So the next plausible option, I guess, could be that as the people were migrating out On the path of repopulating the earth and going to every portion of the earth they took sloths with them but you would have to believe that if you had sloths with you that long that they would probably have become a domesticated pet which by the way would be awesome but they would have been in asia as well right because the people that stayed would have been like well you know i got to keep george my sloth You know, so, just based on sloths, the Earth has to be older than 6,000 years old and a flood occurring 3,500 years ago, or 3,500 BC, just based on sloths. I know sloths are a funny thing to use, but I'm just telling you, think about it. And actually, if you do believe that the Earth is 6,000 years old, in some regards, you're disregarding the Bible, because once again, 6,000 years ago is 4,000 BC, and there has to be a date where the flood occurs. We know certain things are certain ages. For example, we know when the pyramids were built, relatively speaking, you know, give or take 500 years, that's still pretty close. So you have to have had time for pre-flood earth, and then the reset at post-flood earth, Well, if you believe the Earth is 6,000 years old, that means you have to put the Flood somewhere around, like I said earlier, 3,500 B.C. That automatically discounts the age of everybody before Noah. Because didn't Methuselah live to be like 970 years old? Well, he was dead by the time the Flood happened. He had already died. That would be more than 500 years between 4,000 B.C. and 3,500 B.C. So you're really, and that was just Methuselah. A lot of the other people would have still been alive just based on age around that time. So you're really saying that the Bible is inaccurate by claiming that the earth is 6,000 years old. On top of that, the oldest cities that archaeology has sort of dug up and discovered um, has been dated at 10,000 years old. So if you believe in a 50,000 year old earth that is a perfectly reasonable thing in time frame to have happened if the earth is 50,000 years old and we have you know there are a bunch of stuff that a city not today's version of a city obviously but for the time it would have been a city that are older than 4,000 years old older than 6,000 years old so once again you can believe that the earth is 50,000 years old and based upon the fact that science says that it's 4.5 billion that is still a young earth so that's sort of what i'm asking adjust your time frame here in egypt for example we know that the pyramids were built between uh, 2550 to 2490 bc that's 4,000 years ago that's a long time and i haven't even discussed mesopotamia and everything that you know is BC Mesopotamia and if you listen to my episode with history with Psy, you know that there was a bunch of cities and it was very dynamic and there were a lot of people the date of a young earth of the earth being 6,000 years just doesn't jive with any of that at all okay now that sort of brings me out of sort of like a archaeological you know human population part of my argument, I guess. And now I'm going to move on to sort of geological things. And the best place really that you can in the US anyway is well known for seeing the geological record is the Grand Canyon because you can see all the layers that they've stacked up thanks to the Colorado River. And then there are also places in uh the Rocky Mountains where you can see the geological record quite well. Uh, Red Rocks is actually one of the better places for that. It shows how when tectonic plate action occurs it causes rocks to bend and fold over time so there's that and then shell fossils have been found at mountain elevations that it takes plate tectonics to explain in the soul the slow movement of time and continents colliding into each other so that something that 60 million years ago was underwater is now in the rocky mountains and you need Sort of time to explain that. And yes, I understand that when creating the earth, God could have made mountains with sea animal fossils in them. I I do know that. And I'm acknowledging that. That being said, we also know how long it takes for things to fossilize. It's not an automatic process. But moving on, heading back towards the Grand Canyon. Young Earth creationists don't even agree themselves on how the Grand Canyon form. There are those that believe that the Grand Canyon formed during the flood. And there are others that believe that the following happened. Um, sort of more towards Colorado, away from I guess that would be the northeast of the Colorado River. There used to be a really, really, really large lake. If I remember correctly, it was probably Lake Erie sized, which is a good sized lake and that something happened, we don't know what, earthquake, whatever, it caused the lake, one end of it, which would be, I guess, the the southwest region of it, to sort of break apart and collapse, and it drained the lake in a matter of weeks. And that much water rushing through created the Grand Canyon. But that is what they believe. Science, on the other hand, <laughs> says that the Colorado River carved out the Grand Canyon over a large period of time and that's how that occurred because I mean we all know that water is quite powerful and it erodes things. I mean heck, put water under enough pressure you can cut through five inches of steel. But that's what science believes is that over the course of many millions of years Colorado River just carved through because that's an area where it had an easier time cutting through than other places. So going back to the lake that would have drained theory, there's actually a place where we know something like that occurred. In Montana, there used to be a Lake Superior-sized lake that was created by a glacial dam. You know, glaciers can get really, really high. And when I'm talking, Lake Superior is massive. So for there to be another Lake Superior-sized lake, that's kind of a big deal. And what would happen is just, I guess, Through climate change, whatever, the glacier would either recede a little bit or it would just sort of weaken and the water would break through. And then you would have a Lake Superior sized amount of water, once again, in the course of weeks, just tsunami its way down to the Pacific Ocean. And we know that this happened multiple times. There's evidence for it. Did it create canyon areas? It did. It created some some pretty cool looking ones. However, it did not create a Grand Canyon-sized one. Uh, It did create these cool little weird circular sort of hole things and dropped off all these random weird boulders on its way there. But it did not create a Grand Canyon-sized canyon. And we know that that happened more than once. So in some regards, that alone, well not some regards, that disproves the lake theory for the Grand Canyon. Now, to continue talking about the geological record um, would take hours, many hours, say earning a college degree worth of hours. So I don't really have time to continue discussing that. Um, I just hope that sort of those examples sort of show that you need more than a couple weeks to create a Grand Canyon. You need the slow march of time. And honestly, this doesn't even talk about the geology on other planets because that would mean every other planet is also 6000 years old and there's geology on other planets that once again, you know, would take more than that amount of time to create. Obviously they wouldn't have to worry about resetting after a flood, but there's just certain things that we know you need longer than 6000 years to create the feature on that planet. Obviously, once again. God could have created it like that. I just tend to believe in the the scientific side, which honestly, God still could have created everything. And once again, did it billions of years ago. And that's how everything has happened. And then it all can But based upon evidence and observations, astronomers know what stars are made of, and we know how they form. We have pictures of it that telescopes have taken of showing dense molecular clouds getting ready to form stars. We have pictures of stars that have a debris fill around it where you can tell that planets are in the process of forming. All of these theories and ideas that they thought about how a star in a solar system forms, the more powerful our telescopes have gotten, the more they have been proved out to be true and accurate. So that is once again sort of proves my theory that you, or not my theory, that the earth is older than 6,000 years. And that doesn't even include the fact that we know light travels at a certain speed. Uh, For example, when sunlight hits the earth, it's really eight minutes old. And so we can measure distance by light. So that's not even really including all of that. But we do know that because of pictures. We've seen it. how. Planets form around stars. Now, the Bible doesn't mention any other planets at all. And we knew back then, uh, based upon Mesopotamian records in Egypt, they knew that uh, certain planets were different than other stars in the night sky. They knew that Venus was different. They knew that Mars was different because it moved different than the other stars did. So they knew there was something different about them. Did they necessarily know they were planets or call them planets? No. But they did know that they were different from stars. The Bible doesn't mention anything whatsoever about that. Kind of a... Just, I, I guess it depends on how much weight you place on that. But it's something that needs to be considered. And then there is plate tectonics. And plate tectonics is another area where young Earth creationists disagree. Some believe the continents were in their present locations pre-flood, while others believe that there was a Pangea situation pre-flood, and that the flood caused them to rapidly move to their present location. I think we can all agree that the continents currently are where they currently are. However, that idea has a couple of massive holes in it, and that's the following. The energy required to move continents from a Pangaea situation to where they currently are located is so great that it would literally shake the earth apart and destroy it. It is that great. Math has been done <laughs> to actually figure that out because we know the energy that is that happens when earthquakes occur. So we have a starting out point and we know that for the continents to move that fast to current locations, the earth would be destroyed. Now once again, I suppose, in his rage of wanting to destroy the earth, God could have kept the earth together. I don't know. I'm just saying that, (laughs) you know, there's that. And the other part of that is that as during that rapid moving cycle that the mountain ranges that we see now were also formed, but once again the amount of energy to do that would be bad for the Earth. Now, then, we know that the Himalayas are formed by the Indian subcontinent slamming into the Asian continent and as they hit each other they raise up forming the Himalayas. The Himalayas are in fact still getting taller at a measurable rate. You know what accounts for that? That's right, plate tectonics because it says this is what would happen. Plate tectonics says if this were to happen, this would be the result. And there are multiple places on the Earth where you can literally go and check it out and see for yourself. The fact that the Himalayas are still getting taller proves that plate tectonics are correct. The other part of plate tectonics is seduction, and that would create uh, deep trenches on the Earth. The Mariner Trench is probably the most famous of the trenches because it is the deepest point on earth. More people have walked on the moon than have been to Challenger Deep in Mariana Trench. Challenger Deep being the deepest part of it. Think about that. That also proves plate tectonics because plate tectonics says that as one continent is moving away, is moving in one direction, it's going to hit another continent. And whichever one is uh, heavier, you know, it causes one to slide underneath the other creating these trenches. The Mariner Trench proves that that uh, the plate tectonics is happening. And another thing that proves that it's occurring is the Mid-Atlantic Ridge where the Atlantic plate is growing and splitting sort of in two. And this is a huge thing. Find a globe or a map that sort of shows what the earth looks like without water and you'll see it. And then when you're in Iceland, You can literally walk from the North American plate to the European plate. (laughs) It can actually jump from one side to the other. But anyway, for the Atlantic Trench to occur, you need, once again, millions of years for that to happen. Now, these things aside, God could have created the earth with everything where it currently is now. Now, I can go much, much deeper into scientific evidence for a 4.5 billion year old Earth, and i know that i really only lightly touched on the scientific explanations in fact i know there is a mountain pun intended of information that can be cited but honestly i would need to start a separate podcast just discussing those things i would hope that just some of the mathematical things that I have pointed out about human population and just how long you kind of need for certain things to occur would be enough to, at the very least, get you to shift your viewpoint to at least, say, a 50,000 year old Earth. Once again, that's still a young Earth. And I know that what I was talking about is really a cliff note version of this. And I understand that. I'm hoping that uh, what I've been talking about might cause you to uh, start an exploration of discovery on your own of strictly the scientific side of things that explains it more in depth. I am going to have some other links in the uh, description as well because there's far more information than I could talk about here. I just wanted to briefly touch on certain things to sort of, if you believe the earth is 6,000 years old, get you to change your mind a little bit. So, you know what? I haven't done. While you're contemplating all of this stuff, how about you contemplate it during an ad? Here's an ad. You're listening to the musings of an ADD Mind Podcast okay we're back so why why is all of this sort of important enough that i felt it warranted its own show its own episode because there there there's a lot cooler things in astronomy that i could talk about honestly i could do a podcast on just that (laughs) you know there are whole tv shows about it but why is this important and here's why i think this is this is important, at least to me. The percentage of people who believe in young earth creation in the United States is larger than the rest of the world. According to Gallup, it's roughly 40% of the U.S. population. In other countries, sometimes it's as low as 5. You know, Some are 30. 40 is, obviously, since <laughs> we're the leading the world, obviously quite a high number. So, When you believe that the Earth is 6,000 years old and that science and the scientific community and geologists and astronomers are wrong about how old the Earth is and how it was created, that leads to a mistrust of the scientific community as a whole. Because if you're wrong about the creation of the Earth and how old the Earth is, then the scientific community can be wrong about other things lots of other things. And so that leads to a mistrust of the scientific community. Whether it's a subconscious mistrust or a conscious one, it's still there. But that also leads to a lack of understanding of the scientific process. The scientific process, accounting for change as new information and data is learned, is built into it. It's part of the process. When science is wrong about an idea or something, it admits it and moves to what the new information shows. There are tons of examples of this when, you know, George Washington died because doctors thought if you had a fever, you bled a person and that would cure them. What they didn't know was that by bleeding George Washington, they were killing him because, you know, you need your blood to live. A few years later, it was learned we should not be bleeding people when they're sick. And that changed. And now we know that that's true. That's just one one example off the top of my head. So change, as new information comes in, is built into the scientific method, which is important. <laughs> I hope I remember. I'll get back to that in a second. But a mistrust of the scientific community will lead to a mistrust of the medical community because medicine is a part of science, you know, being a doctor and a surgeon and all of that, a nurse, everything that is part of science, because while it's its own field, it's still science. So if you mistrust the medical community, what can happen is, for example, say, 38% of a population won't get vaccinated to stop a pandemic, or they won't understand how a mask can stop the transmission of a virus that causes said pandemic. And that also can lead people to believe that when you're getting the vaccine, that you are being injected with synthetic eggs that hatch synthetic worms into people to eat you from the inside. This is legitimately a theory that people have put out there. It also will lead you to believe that a vaccine will rewrite and change your DNA, making you not human so that you then don't have a soul and can't go to heaven. And it makes it easier for demons to possess you. Also a thing. Or that it just rewrites your DNA so that over the course of the next five years, all of the vaccinated will die. So there's that. (laughs) Or that you're being injected with trackers so they can track you. Um, If you listen to uh, the previous episode with GPS, you will know that that is impossible. It also can lead to the idea that crunchy peanut butter is better than smooth peanut butter, when in fact all reasonable and sane people know that that is not true. But anyway, seriously, (laughs) that's the result of not trusting in in science and understanding the scientific process and in today's world that leads to those beliefs getting spread to other countries and then other countries they get their anti-vaxxers and their anti-maskers which this might be surprising causes the virus to stick around and mutate thus preventing the pandemic from ending I hope people don't think that I'm making this weird leap in a conspiratorial thing because, as I mentioned earlier, 40% of the U.S. population believes that the Earth is roughly 6,000 years old. 38% of the U.S. population is not getting vaccinated. That is a strangely similar number. At the same time, of the 38% that isn't getting vaccinated, a huge number of them are evangelicals. And evangelicals tend to be young earth creationists. And out of that 38%, there is, well, out of evangelical anyway, there 22% of evangelicals have said there is no way in hell that they will ever get a vaccine. I know that that's, you know, 22% out of 40%, but that's not counting for other evangelicals that maybe as time goes on, and people aren't dropping dead in the streets from synthetic worms. They'll realize that the vaccine is okay to get, and they will eventually get it. But you know, twenty-two percent on top of that is still enough to keep the pandemic around for for a while, because that doesn't that negates some of the vaccination rates. However, those numbers of the thirty-eight percent and the forty percent oddly make up a lot of the same people. <laughs> You know a lot most trumpers are evangelicals. there are preachers that have gone all in on trump and if you listen to some of their sermons, you would think that Donald Trump is the second coming of Jesus. There are literally those that have pretty much said it. It is scary, so that forty percent in the number in the evangelical number is pretty much they're made up by the same people, so there's that i I do find it interesting that those numbers are the same sort of made up of the same people so anyway there there's that and so that young earth creationism then leads towards sort of where we're at now uh, in the world with certain things that have occurred and are occurring and will continue to occur and it all stems from being brought up not believing that science knows what it's doing. So then when something like this happens, a global pandemic, it becomes easy for conspiracy theorists and certain other people to weaponize it, put a large distrust in the science and medical community, which ironically enough, keeps the pandemic occurring, causing a, you know, (laughs) virus to mutate. And causing it to stick around for a much longer period of time and I I don't know if this is something anybody has ever stopped to consider I just find it fascinating that they're made up of the same people and that 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 is why I decided to do this episode because while this month is dedicated to space and astronomy we are members of the universe we all live in it we all live on earth earth is a planet and it's important for us to take care of the planet not just the environment but the people on it as well and young earth creationism because it completely disregards evidence makes it easier in other situations to disregard evidence so anyway you know, there was something that I said I was going to get back to, and now for the life of me, I I can't remember what it is. That's also part of my ADD, sorry. I'm sure I'll, once I edit this, I will discover what that was, but I doubt I'm going to come in and record a, what that <laughs> was supposed to be. Anyway, that is food for thought. I know that this went into a direction that probably nobody saw it going in. And I don't want it to seem like I'm a conspiracy theorist. It's just that I've noticed that all of the anti-vaxxer, anti-maskers that I know, not all, 75% of them, happen to be evangelicals that believe the Earth is 6,000 years old. Which, as I said, there, there have been studies done on how that creates distrust and a misunderstanding of how uh, scientific theory works. So anyway, if you are a young Earth, creationist, and you're listening to this, remember my goal was not to get you to stop believing in God. My main goal was to, at the very least, get you to believe that at a minimum the earth has to be 50,000 years old. That is the only way to account for enough time for repopulation of the planet of not just people, but animals. I never really even touched on the repopulation of the Earth that animals would have required in their migrations to get to where they lived. You need a, to be a minimum of 50,000 years old. The 6,000 year date is just silly. So I hope that will at least get you to consider that. You can also believe that to God, time runs differently and so that it, it is 4.5 billion years old where the universe is well, 13.5 billion years old, and it can still fit in with your belief in God quite easily. That ended up going serious, did it not? That's kind of all I have. I can't remember. Next week is either going to be Duncan and I talking about the modern commercial space race, which is every bit as fascinating as the space race between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, back in the 50s and 60s, or I might be doing an episode with Ralph where we sort of talk about one of our favorite things that is astronomy related. I'm not sure the order that I'm going to put those in, but it'll be one of those two things. So anyway, try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud, and I'll talk to you next week.